Well, you know, how's it going? I think good. I, I, hmm. I think there's a bit of irony here because, Uh well, not, it's not like you have to kind of dig deep into the weeds and it's kind of like a dad joke. So it's not that ironic like people kind of had roll their kind of had to be there type of thing well not even that like it's just like pretty weak but what i will say is i feel like you ghosted on me for ghost protocol i ghost ah, <laughs> ah. i you wouldn't even could i wouldn't even consider that but i think i just had to because of the film we're reviewing today i was wondering this the other day and maybe you have a better memory of it than I do. But mm. have I told the story? Have I, like, on on the podcast, have I said what happened? I don't think so, no. And the only reason I bring it up, like, I wouldn't otherwise, except for the fact that I know that we've, like, there's context within the podcast. Like, we've talked mm. about. Yeah. The. Yeah. So, there, there yeah. many times I've referred to, like, quite often. Well, not quite often, but there's been times where I've referred to or even have started out the episode by telling you that I'm on holidays mm, Yes, at the Mel Gibson farm, the farm that Mel Gibson and Diane Keaton shot a movie at years and years and years ago, back in the 80s. And it was a, a farm that had been in Brianne's family for, uh, I think we figured out that it's like... Just over 60 years. That's a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyways, it back in February, hmm. it uh, it burned down. That sucks. And so we, like different members of the family have, have kind of gone to go see it at various times. Um, and last week, when we, <laughs> the night that we were supposed to record, um, neither Brianna or I had seen it yet. And so we just kind of had this like impromptu <laughs> after work. We're just like, uh, you know, let's let's go see the farm. It was like the weather was beautiful. <laughs> it was like gorgeous weather, right. and we're like, you know, it's nice out. Let's 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 get this done with. You know, we've been putting it <laughs> right. off and putting it off and putting it off. And um, so we're at the we're at the farm, kind of grieving over you know the remains of this house because hmm. um, there's been no cleanup done or anything yet. Like it's still very much uh. just this burnt down house. Yeah. And um and my phone vibrates and I <laughs> and I glance down at it and you're like, you know, ready to go in five or you know, whatever. And I was like, Oh shit. <laughs> like yeah. yeah. So I did ghost. I did ghost. That's for good reason. And I only brought it up because of ghost protocol. Mm-hmm. But anyways, hello and welcome. Welcome to the Movie Men Podcast. I am Peter. The in-morning co-partner of mine is Brady, and we are here to review Mission Impossible, the series, and today we take on the next chapter, which is chapter number four, which isn't called MI4, but it's called Ghost Protocol. Yeah, I wanted to ask you, did you did you perceive, like, just a noticeable difference? Like... Yes. So? Well, yes, this is a different film in the sense that they don't use the number protocol oh, for the but yeah. but specifically it just felt like 20 years newer somehow. Like it just or or almost hmm. like a, a almost like a genre shift. 
Interesting. In the sense that, like, you know, the first three felt very similar in that, like, okay, this is this is the franchise, and this is what we're doing, and and this this is the feel of these types of films. Hmm. And something about this one, not that like they, not that it was a reboot, mm-hmm. um, but it just felt like they sort of like reinvented the series a little. Like they huh. like. And I don't know if it was a color palette thing or it was oh maybe like I I, I really don't know I don't know what was causing that what, what was making me to think that mm-hmm. um, but it felt different hmm. to me interesting no no I never thought that but when you raise it up I think maybe it's just a bit of confirmation bias that I can maybe see where you're coming from at least right maybe the color palette of all the things that you when you said that that kind of it felt brighter something i think so maybe i think the like the we'll get into it but like the whole skyscraper scene really stands out for me visually like color wise so maybe that's just ringing a bell like it's and i know you haven't seen i sort of liken it to like i know you haven't seen the fast and the furious movies other than number one no other than number one but they do that same sort of thing right where like if you watch the first three and a half or so Mm. Fast and the Furious films, like Fast and the Furious one, is like a a heist car chase thing, like hmm. franchise. But it but it's not like this over the top action thing, right? The way it is, the right. way the Fast and the Furious is known to be now, this like crazy, mm. like you know, kicking <laughs> right. torpedoes that are skimming <laughs> across the ice, and like you know, whatever they basically became super spies. <laughs> <laughs> instead of just car enthusiasts. Yeah. And so like, yeah, so it it kind of felt like that to me in a way, but I I mm. I just I couldn't re- actually put my finger on it. I don't know hmm. I don't know what caused it, but Interesting. Yeah. So listen, if you're new and I don't mean that in the like what are you new sense. I mean like if <laughs> I don't think anyone would say that. if if you if this is your first time listening to uh, either A the podcast or be more specifically, one of our, um, you know, it's really only espionage films that we do this mm, for. And I don't know really why. It is. But yeah. if, if this is your first time listening to either one of our 007 reviews or our Mission Impossible reviews, we do mm. things a little bit different than with our regular episodes. Um, in that, we have a ranking system. Yes. And so the way this works is we have eight different categories. And we barrel down through those categories, giving each category a scale, uh, a score on a scale of zero to ten. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of it all, we take those eight scores, we average them up, we employ some of that uh, grade five math skills. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't know when you're taught averages. Um, but you, well, I mean, you have how old is your oldest little one? Mm, uh, approaching four. Uh, okay, so not even like okay, that's yeah, right. No, that's no. right. It's not yeah. like so. That's like kindergarten, kindergarten area. That's not like yeah. math. Yeah, they're not doing law of averages at that point. No, which not is not like when we were in school. Yeah, it's just a uh, just a broken system now. But anyways, <laughs> that's fine. Um, so those categories, really quick, being plot, Tom Cruise's performance, uh, the villain, the gadgets. Fight slash action, mm. the romantic interest, 
the supporting characters, and finally the intro sequence. And by intro sequence, we're kind of talking about the scene that hap- that opens the film leading up until the theme song playing, and then the theme song and the theme song's like graphics or sequence yeah. or, you know, yeah. whatever. So really, it's like the first 12 minutes of the film. <laughs> yeah. So uh, without further ado, should we just do it? Yeah, let's roll. Okay, let's do it. Uh, I gave the plot, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say this for all of them, but I will tell you what I gave the plot <laughs> last time. Sure. Mission Impossible Three. I gave the plot a ten. Oh wow! <laughs> Remember, because yeah, wow. I like I really enjoyed it, but then also I was just like, this is so easy to understand, and that's mm. so refreshing in this type of a film that there's no yep. like governmental jargon that's. <laughs> going over my head. Um, This time I gave the plot an eight. Mm. I didn't think it was as strong. Okay. Um, There was hints of sort of the, this is super personalness that was in the first one or not in the first one in the last one, but they weren't as prevalent. He didn't feel personally driven in this one. Okay. Um, there was a slight bit, a, a a forgivable and negligible bit, but there was a slight bit of, I'm sorry, what did they just explain? Like, Hmm. there was one or two moments towards the beginning, I think, when they're like explaining the mission, like, you know, should you choose to accept it? And I'm like, uh, what? (laughs) Like, I, like, I got what the MacGuffin was. But it was like, okay, how many different parties are after this? And what is the motivations? And w- why? And um, and then I knocked, a, I knocked a point off just because it was like, and I, I know that, I know that a lot of the Mission Impossible movies have been like this. I would say the last one was sort of an exception to this. But this was just like, I we were just back to, to nuclear codes yeah and it was just like it was it was it's such a spy movie trope and Mm -hmm. i sort of was a little more lenient on that in the first two because i was like well you know i don't know maybe maybe this wasn't a trope at the time maybe Mm. this is you know maybe maybe mission impossible is is part of what helped popularize that and and then everyone right. else just started kind of but we're we're 2011 at this point which yeah means you're if, right the first two were like 90s you're right yeah but 2011 so by 2011 if you're doing something that by today's standards is considered tropey mm, yeah. i i it's a pretty safe bet that it was also <laughs> tropey in 2011 right right yeah. because how many spy films have come out between then and now Right. So right. if I yep. feel like this is an oversaturated storyline, it's not mm. necessarily from films in the last 12 years. Yes. So exactly. So yep. for the plot, I gave it an eight out of 10. Still good. Still respectable. I still enjoyed oh, it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But uh, not in the same way that I enjoyed the third one. Mm-hmm. I gave it a six. Okay. I wasn't too far behind, but I wasn't as strong. You know, I thought it was adequate. And, for really the same reasons you you kind of said, you know, 
we got some nuclear launch codes. We've got some IMF ghost protocol, some et cetera, et cetera. You know, nothing crazy, nothing mind-altering like the number three was as far as being a bit different. Um, and I do feel we'll get to the villain later, but the villain did lower the overall score, and the villain was obviously related to the plot, so that, that kind of hurt it for me. And um, I... <laughs> there were... I wrote this in the plot because I didn't know where else to write it, but I literally LOL'd where Tom Cruise successfully identifies a target by giving a verbal description and then drawing a mug shot on his hand. And I was like, what? Is- in like five seconds? Yeah, that was with like, like a Bic, with a Bic pen. I yeah, was like, what? And you sort of get a, you don't really see it, but you kind of get a glimpse at it. And I'm like, bullshit, he drew that in five seconds. <laughs> and I mean, listen, I'm not saying like that's the reason the plot was a bad score, but it does need to be talked about. Like, I feel like, I'm in, I watch some old crime shows like by that i mean like not it doesn't matter how old like 10 20 years ago like cold case is the point i'm sorry i don't think 10 year old shows count as old so screw you <laughs> no, my point is like the the point of it is cold case true crime shows uh, okay okay, a- okay and okay. the point of that is these crimes were committed before a lot of forensic science that we use nowadays and a lot of things that they relied on were eyewitness accounts, where in these examples, like professional artists would sit down with the victims and be like, we're going to spend three hours trying to really sketch out what this person looked like. And in those circumstances, eight out of 10 of those pictures look like just they're not even human beings. Like you look right. at that picture and go like that upper lip doesn't even look human to me. Like what? Yeah. So somehow in this circumstance, not only is Tom Cruise an artist that he can do this, but he's also just more efficient than like actual professional crime artists that he can draw it on his hand and get the job done. I well, was like, come on. I mean, on. we all know that police sketch artist departments are just filled with art school dropouts, apparently. <laughs> Gotta pay the bills, man. Uh, so yeah, I give plot a six out of ten. The last thing I'll say about plot, again, because I don't know where to throw it in. Mm-hmm. Interesting, as we always do for these films, we get a new director with each one, getting some Brad Bird action. For my camp, that would be Incredibles 1 and 2 is very interesting. But for you and Carl's camp, that would be the Tomorrowland uh, light going off as far as uh, our appreciations of his past work. So interesting, interesting uh, Brad Bird connection here. I do want to recommend a podcast to you. Um, Mm. It's called The Movie Men. No, it's... um, (laughs) Okay, send me the URL. It's, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, no. It's this podcast I've been listening to. I'll send you a link to it. Sure. Um, but it it basically, it's a bunch of, of people who used to work in, um, it, like, work in forensic, you know, whatever. Like, they were forensic mm. scientists. Cool. Um, and And they're basically, they've basically come out as, like, whistleblowers. Oh. About how just how much guesswork right there really is and right. like how how little science there actually is in forensic science. Now I and I'm that, just curious, like, is that is this like modern day or like in the nineties? Oh now. Oh so like even Yeah, that now even to this day. Oh shoot. 
Wow. Yeah, that it's it's not this like art. It, it it's more right. of an art form than it is a science, right. and that there's a lot of guesswork involved right. and a lot of wiggle room for whatever. And then like the crux of it all is like how many people have been identified as culprits when they're they actually truly never were That's, as a result those, of this like yeah yeah so anyways I, you know Jeez. it's it's an interesting podcast just because mm. it's it's not just like you know i was done wrong by the system no it's like <laughs> people who are like yeah i did this for 20 years and oh. even to this day it's so problematic Jeez, that's wild. Uh, moving on tom tom cruise performance gave it a seven Interesting. I didn't think he was bad. I thought he was actually rather good. Mm-hmm. But it was missing some of those, like in the last one, the acting that he does when he's got the bomb in his head and stuff, and like moments mm. that really yeah. blew me away and made me go, mm. oh, wow, Tom Cruise, like, go get him. Uh, <laughs> I just didn't have any of those moments. Also, I'm... I'm willing to forgive, and it didn't affect my score. But yep. are we just flip flopping on long hair here? Like, are we going to do short hair, long hair, short hair, long hair in these films? <laughs> it didn't bother I, me as much this time, and I think that's because he wasn't standing in front of as many wind machines. <laughs> right. Like it didn't. It really didn't bother as me as much, and I don't think it's quite as long and unruly as it was in number I two. I think it's a little bit more kept this time. Yes, um, but it's still <laughs> not the the. It still doesn't, you know. And he had just he, he was in prison, so right. Yeah, uh, y- you know, there's like sense. he hasn't had time for a, a, a supercut, right? And so like, <laughs> I get it, but mm-hmm. I was also like, this is not this is not what I want, Tom Cruise. To look like, I mean, no, you know, yeah, no, I'm with you on that one. So I gave it a seven out of ten. Mm. I actually also gave it a seven out of ten. I thought he was fine. I feel like he's just a bit more hollow than in number three. Not as as a result of his acting or anything. I just think without showing us um, him being in scenes with Michelle Monaghan, I felt that gave us a whole new level for him to really explore as an actor bringing out a character and in this one he doesn't get that opportunity so i feel that was just a bit of a step down so i gave it a seven out of ten i feel like what i would have liked more like what would have been like emotionally amping up the stakes instead of having this cute little thing at the end where he's like creeping on michelle monahan she's like oh he's he's watching me is instead of having that we have Jeremy Renner with this guilt that he's like, oh, I did this. I feel so bad that he thinks he killed his wife or like led to that happening or what have you. And I I think there would have been some quite rich payoff if Tom Cruise had said, no, no, you know, everything was fine. You didn't do it. And like lied to him. Right. Just to make him feel better to the goal of having, you know, Tom Cruise being a team player to make Jeremy Renner feel better to be able to move on. And then as soon as Jeremy Renner walks away, you know, somehow you you let the wind out of the bag and just like you realize, no, she actually did die. And Tom Cruise is like emotionally still scarred or still depressed about it, but he's putting on a brave face for the sake of a team. So I I thought that would have been far more of a richer ending, Mm. but um, I gave it a seven out of ten. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, villain. 
Hmm. I, I gave it a five. I okay. I didn't hate it, but I it was also just incredibly forgettable. Absolutely. <laughs> like and and he barely had any lines. <laughs> I think he fell out of more cars than he had lines. Like, did he actually, like, w- like he, is he even really in this movie? <laughs> right? Like, the closest thing that I ha- that I kind of thought was like, oh, actually, this is someone who's kind of interesting, was the mm. character played by, uh, I'm going to butcher this, Anil Kapoor, the uh, Indian, um, oh, yeah, like, pimp. Yeah. Or like whatever you like, the, <laughs> yeah, whatever you the, the, the slutty party host guy. Like <laughs> that to me was like okay, like there's some personality here. But what was he it? Had, was it Hendrix? He had more moments that came off the screen than our main villain. That's for sure. Yeah, our main villain who goes by like his actual name is Hendrix, but what is he? What, what's the his code name? Oh, oh! I can tell you. I this, the something or other that they keep referring to him as, right? Um, I, yeah, that's. Anyways, it's um, yeah. I I just did five, and it was not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was not anything to be excited about. I also just want to say, um, before I pass it off to you, something that I missed as far as plot goes. I think in the first category, um. I literally almost said, like, when this happened in the film, I literally almost paused it, turned to Brienne, <laughs> and said, oh, good lord, he's been disavowed? What a plot twist. <laughs> he's working against the agency? All Like, it, what? He doesn't have any backup? It honestly Man. is just, like... Every single film. I mean, it was more interesting this time a little bit just because the whole agency got disavowed. Like, it was mm. went into shutdown mode. But aside mm. from that, like, one lie, it impacted nothing. Right. Right? Yeah. That did not change anything moving forward, whether it had been just him or just them or everybody. It mm. was like, oh, okay, this is the seriousness of the situation. Like, oh, okay. But, yeah, five out of ten. I'm guessing by your little response when I said 5 out of 10 that you scored it much lower and you think I'm being generous. <laughs> oh, you nailed it on the head, my friend. I gave it a 3. Yeah, I don't like I, for, I don't disagree. For the same reasons. And so I also started looking at previous scoring, so I was like, okay, in number 1, what did I give it? In number 2 and number 3. So number 3, we were blown away with Philip Seymour Hoffman. Like, I gave it a 9, you gave it a 10. Like, we were both enthralled. I gave number 2 a better score than this. Because I at least remember number 2. He was kind of a horned, like a corn dog. He was kind of lame. Very cliche. But I was like, I still had fun his involvement in the movie and the overall experience of the movie. So I still remember him as my point with this villain, like quite forgettable. Like literally if we postpone talking about this for another week, I likely would have forgot he existed. Mm-hmm. So just, you know, John Voight was much better. Evan Dugree, Scott was better. Philip Seymour Hoffman was light years better. So I had to specifically go really hard on this one. So three out of 10, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not, I'm I won't fight you on that like yep. at all. Yep. Uh, <laughs> gadgets. 
I gave this a nine out of ten. I gave it a nine. Okay. That's pretty strong. Well, I'm including in the gadgets, I'm including the, the whole climbing sequence. Oh, okay. Right? Because it's yeah. with the gloves. And although those yeah. are faulty gadgets, <laughs> clearly, mm-hmm. um, it would still it was still a lot of fun. Um, right. Yeah. But I in a spy movie. Right, like we've got our go-to like funky way of of like it's a payphone that gives them the 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 mission, mm-hmm. and then I liked that the it didn't like that it was faulty and self-destructing, and he had to like right. go back and hit it, <laughs> yeah. and then it exploded. I think that was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, right at the end, it's what is it? How is it that he gets it at the end as he's walking oh. away into the mysteriously inexplicable amount of fog <laughs> right i don't remember but yeah i have oh, a problem man. with that we'll get to that later yeah um but for me in any spy movie you suddenly are doing everything right with gadgets if you give me someone using a laser to cut a hole through a window like that is <laughs> right. just it's low-hanging fruit, but I mm. don't care. It is the holy grail of, you know, like the only thing that could have leveled that up was if the wa- if the laser was built into his freaking watch. Like that's the only thing right. that could have elevated that. Um, right. But no, it was it was spectacular. I had so much fun with it. Whether it was the and with gadgets, I'm also including the scene that follows right because they're using earpieces and they're and they're trying to do um there's like the briefcase that's that's printing out the documents and changing Mm. rearranging numbers and doing like and so to me that was all i don't know it's just fantastic like i just Mm. had a smile on my face in those (laughs) moments because they were the rinky dink gadgets but then also the car we have we have a spy mm. car in this one. We do, yeah. And so that was incredible. We have we have a a train car that is completely <laughs> innocuous, just looks like a, a regular you know yeah. whatever. Except yeah. it requires a retinal scan to get into, and then there's like weapons in it and and all kinds of communications. This that and the other thing. I yeah, I thoroughly had a blast. Um, I thoroughly had a blast with the gadgets in this. So nine out of ten. It's interesting. I think I forgot about the car when scoring this, and the train car too, for that matter, but that's fair. I gave it a 7 out of 10. You know, I still don't know how I feel about this, so I didn't have it benefit or hurt it, but I think there's something fun about the fact that there were so many flaws, and there was obviously like a set narrative or a set tone that they had with this, just adding this sense of realism that the gadgets don't always work, or if they do, they don't always work perfectly. So you talked about like the payphone that doesn't self-destruct and Tom Cruise has to swat it, the laser malfunction, the glove malfunction, all these things that are just serve as kind of a comedic, like, oh boy, like this is going to amplify the climbing scene because something's acting up. But then it just has a very different tone than all the previous ones where everything works perfectly. And it's, 
in some ways, I may be wondering if that's bad, just because I'm not watching this to get a sense of reality. Like, my iPhone acts up on me every day. I don't need to watch a movie to remind me about technology. But on the other hand, like, there's maybe a point to it to being like, hey, let's have some realism, and there's some fun and some levity that you can have with that. So I think it's interesting, and I don't know how I feel about that. But the projector screen in the Russian building was fun. The climbing gloves were fun. And... I think I was happy with that they weren't too dependent on the mask like they were in all the previous movies. Mm-hmm. Well, because it wasn't even working. Specifically, yeah, specifically one and two, I would say. Uh, I honestly thought I was a little disappointed. We'll get to this, but I was disappointed that Josh Holloway was literally here for like 30 seconds. I'm a huge Lost yeah. fan. Love him in that. And I thought there was going to be something, some type of shenanigans occurring with a mask that was going to, like, maybe it wasn't actually him that died or there was going to be some type of reveal, but that was not the case. So mm-hmm. seven out of 10 for gadgets. Yeah. Holloway kind of got. Um he kind of got done dirty in this. It's it's so sad because it's like, I know this is not the case, but like it's like, did he read the script before realizing he's in like one scene? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Like, what the heck? Um. So next up, we have fights in action. I look, I also gave it a nine. Um, okay. I thought that it was. Oh, and also, by the way, like in gadgets, there's the whole the magnetic suit that's elevating Jeremy Renner going oh, through that tunnel. Yeah. It was so cool. Anyways, um, fights in action. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, you know, you can also include some of the the. Um, you can also include aspects of the climbing scene in this, right? When he has to tie off and jump out the window and go running down the side of the building. That was amazing. Right. Yeah. When he has to swing and jump because the rope's not long enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the fights, right? We get the fight in the hotel room yeah. where, where the girl yep. gets kicked out the window. Um, <laughs> she sure does. We get the fight in the super advanced, clearly like Asian parking garage thing because we don't, <laughs> yeah. because they're no like Japan and all that. They're known for those types of like mm. super cool, innovative parking garage things that we just don't yep. have here. Um, so stuff like that, the, the, the fight that happened there, the car chase, the, um, the just like even small moments, small moments, mm. like when Tom Cruise no longer trusts Jeremy Renner's character for a moment there. And hmm. th- they kind of like take turns disarming each other. <laughs> right. Like yeah. stuff like that was all, was all fun and exciting for yep. me anyway. So I gave it a nine out of 10. I think uh, obviously we still have, I, I, there needs to be room to grow still because I know that things are just going to get crazier. Um, and so maybe I haven't left enough room to grow, but we'll mm. just kind of see what happens when we get to it. That's fair. I was a bit harder on this one. I gave it a seven. And I'm I'm really struggling with this because when I intellectually think about what we saw, I'm like, there's nothing wrong with what we saw. But for some reason, unlike, say, MI2, where we had like the opening cliff sequence where I was just like, I felt like I would just, I was there, I was watching it. I didn't have the same reaction when I was watching this. Like, we've got crews at the, the Burj Khalifa and I, like, it's an amazing sequence from an acting, like, hanging on wires, doing real stuff perspective. And that's why I think it's a seven. But for some reason, I just wasn't as blown away by, with it. And 
I just can't explain why. So that's why it didn't get a higher score. And visually, like you said, color palette wise, it's a great sequence. But um, something about it just didn't pop out to me. I do think, I wonder if it would do better with a rewatch, where if I could just sit down and just watch that sequence again and not like just kind of appreciate it more knowing about the how it was made and what was done and realizing no he was actually there i do think if i could see this in 4k imax seeing that sequence on a big screen would be amazing that would be just amazing yeah so tell Um, me when because i know you have like a variety of different viewing experiences mm. at home (laughs) you have your pretty decent tv upstairs in the living room yes yep you have your probably should be donated to Value Village TV that's downstairs. <laughs> it's not that bad. And then occasionally you do both yourself and the movie a disservice and you watch things on your laptop. So a laptop, which I was hands-on with, by the way, the other day. Oh, and it's, you could it's... also probably purchase that thing at Value Village. So um, it's, seen, it's it's been around the sun a few times. It's maybe quite literally, maybe <laughs> quite literally. Um, uh, it was so okay. It was on the downstairs TV. So for the uh, the audience, it's maybe not like a 4K TV. It's not HD TV, but the lighting is better. You know, it's a dark atmosphere, and it's like a movie theater esque as far as what yeah. you can do with the lighting. So it's, I gave it a fair shot. It wasn't like watching. I wasn't watching Tom Cruise on the skyscraper at like a bus stop on my iPhone or something. That it would be might awful. not even be a well. It might not even be a 1080p TV. It might be 720. <laughs> what? So I think it would be probably less than 10 years. So what, what? What would that make it like? If it was eight years, would it be in that range? Uh, I think well, it'd be around eight. What brand is it? Do you know? Samsung. Okay, it's this probably the, yeah. So it'll be 1080. <laughs> this is the podcast material people are tuning in for. Yeah. Here. Pete's, Pete's shit tech. Pete. <laughs> listen, tech listen, tips. If we're, if we're down this rabbit trail anyway. I like the other day. My wife was like, "We should probably just get a new TV down there because it's not only archaic and old, but one by one, all the HDMI ports have like stopped working. So now I've got like my Xbox, the Fire Stick, like twenty seven other things yeah. into like a like a, a hub a connect. Yeah, into a hub, and so it's just ridiculously silly. Even just the fact that it's not a smart TV and like syncing up mm-hmm. and, and Chromecasting." But I'm just so cheap that I'm like, no, like it's physically still working. It's a pain. Like it takes yeah. 15 minutes just to get Disney Plus going. And by then my, you know, my kids lost interest and just got, does something else. But I'm just like, it's still fine. So let's just keep using it till it conks. But every time Brienne and I are either in Best Buy or, you know, like the <laughs> other day, we were just like bumming around at the brick. Right. And bumming around, the bumming around at the brick, you know, as you do. <laughs> And yes, uh, well, because we're like looking at mattresses and stuff like that. Oh, and, yeah. Definitely. And uh, and so they have the TVs there. And I got to be honest with you, like, so we've got a 58 inch right now. Mm. And yeah, that's pretty solid. When that goes, and it will, because like just back at Christmas, I dropped like 150 bucks on it or something. Because dang, some of the LEDs, the backlight LEDs went. Um, oh. and so it was like, the picture was still fine. It was just like really dark on one side of the screen. And so <laughs> oh, I sucks. took it and got it fixed. But yeah, when we, when we, and it all depends on like how much you use your TV, right? Like sure, I game much more than you do. Yep. Like, yep. like 
to to uh, a hundredfold, I probably <laughs> spend more time playing video games than you do. Sure. Um, and you know, we watch movies a lot, and you know, mm-hmm. like whatever else. Uh, yep. I gotta be honest with you, it it may not end up going that big, but it's pretty often that we're looking at the eighty five inch. Holy man! It's pretty, which on, but and and that's the thing though is like it's it, back in the day, like when eighty five inch TVs first dropped, it was like. <laughs> Oh god! I mortgage the house and sell the car, and like, what are we gonna? Uh, the eighty-five inch TVs, like the eighty-five inch Sony's and the eighty-five inch Samsungs that we're looking at, and they're, and they're not like they're not like the QLED, like or right. OLED crazy ridiculous technology sucks you into the image kind of thing. Um, <laughs> but it's your standard like four K, perfectly reasonable TV. They're mm. only like. They're only like twenty one hundred. I mean, that's a lot of money, but I get what you're saying. It's a yeah, lot it's of money, not, but it's, it's not as much as it proportionately was. It's yeah. a, it it is a lot of money, but if you factor in the fact that you're going to pay eleven hundred, <laughs> you're going to pay right. more than half of that for a fifty eight inch, right? And yeah. an eighty five is is exponentially bigger. Like it's so much bigger. <laughs> it's kind of you know you get into that weird area where you're like, well. If we're here anyway. We're spend yeah, we're already spending a thousand dollars. Yeah, what's a bit more? Should we just spend twice that and get a <laughs> ridiculous TV or spend a thousand dollars and get a, a the TV that a lot of people have, right? Like so it's TV like of our dreams. Yeah, yeah, right. So anyways. <laughs> Man, we should have had this chat last section during gadgets. During gadgets, yeah. Talk, yeah. talk to you about the gadgets I'm thinking about getting. Yeah. <laughs> But then I also, I also, every time we're in there, I'm looking at like $10,000 home theater systems. I'm looking at like the Dolby Atmos systems and the, like it's a total pipe dream. It'll never happen. Right, right. Um, At least until they become obscenely, uh, until (laughs) they're like old tech. Right. Which will still be new tech to me and I'll still be like, oh, this is a sick upgrade. But you know, Samsung will be like, "But now we can beam the sound right into your brain." Like, what do you? Why are you not getting that? And I'll be like, well, "Man, we're getting into um, Black Mirror territory." Here. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, it's it's life is going to imitate that. But go ahead. <laughs> so you gave it uh, a seven. You said a seven. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, romantic interest. Mm. This might surprise you, and I changed my answer at the last minute. Juicy, juicy. Originally, I gave this a two. Oh, man. Just because really the only romantic interest happens in the last five minutes and it's... Yeah, and in they're not even on the screen together, really. Bizarre stalking territory. Um, <laughs> but I liked it. I didn't find I didn't find anything about it creepy. I was like, oh, it's like, it's, it's cute. And it's, you know, mm-hmm. uh, ultimately I gave it a seven. I bumped okay. it up a lot. Like, mm. I pulled a 180 here. Yeah. And the reason I did that was because it's not a romantic... Like, the romantic interest in this film, it's not there in the traditional sense, but it is, like, where his wife is and why and how... It's it's a reoccurring and important theme throughout this film. Yep. And ultimately, I like what they did with it. Now, I'm hoping to high heavens 
Like, you have no idea. <laughs> I'm hoping that by the time the next one comes around, which is uh, Fallout or no, Rogue oh, Nation? Rogue, Rogue Nation. Nation, I think. I'm hoping that they have found a way around these circumstances. Yes. And that they're back together. I certainly hope so, too. Because I really like them together. Yeah, they really worked. They do. And, and so I'm hoping. Yeah. But but we'll see. Um, but I did, I did ultimately really enjoy what they did. I enjoyed the story of it. I enjoyed how it sort of like unfolds as we hear more from like Jeremy Renner's character and and all that stuff like it kept sort of progressing and and, and evolving um and I appreciated that and so mm. yeah ultimately I ended up giving it a seven seven out of ten up from a two that's a pretty big swing that it's that's it's a swing for sure yeah <laughs> that's a swing that really will influence the final score it did. Yeah, because yeah. I had yeah. actually calculated the final score before mm. changing it. So nice. it did, it did, yeah. Cool. I gave it a six. I wasn't too far behind you. You know, it's just weird. Like, she's on the scene, kind of, and it just, not only was it like kind of stalkerish territory, but it did, did seem a little tacked on. And I already talked about how I think it could have been done in a really fun way as far as, you know, she isn't on the scene anymore and having some emotional stakes with that. But we'll see where it goes. I am curious to see where they go with this going forward, if she's just MIA or if she's on the scene or, or just what. Um, I just thought in this one right away she would have played a bigger role, and that was not the case. Um, so we'll, we'll just have to stay tuned, I guess. I'm curious. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. All right. Um, supporting characters. Mm. If you if you couldn't hear, that was me cracking my knuckles. <laughs> I'm in, intrigued. In, in the like, not in the like squeezing the fist, but in the like interlocking fingers and like like okay, here we go. I'm about to hack something kind of way. Um, I gave it an eight, and I'm I'm very curious to okay. find out what your score is. Yeah, simply because. I mean, Luther's kind of in this movie, but not really in this movie. Like he was such again. Speaking of tack-ons, like yeah, I on. kind of almost would have rather not seen him at all because it, then it did feel like a tack-on. Like <laughs> it, it made sense to me if it was just simply Luther's not in this. I would go. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, they're on the other side of the world. Everyone's been yeah. disavowed. He just broke it was out. Very of, like, last minute ish. Everything like Ethan's whereabouts is pretty covert. Like people yeah. don't. Yeah. So I was like, okay, like it, it makes sense that he's not there. Tapping him on, just or tacking him on, just kind of felt. It, it felt exactly like that. It felt like mm-hmm. he was tacked on, and I was kind of like. Mm-hmm. I didn't need you there. I'm I I love mm. when you are there, but I understood that you weren't, and and that made sense to me. And I feel like tacking you in, throwing you in, having you come in for one day of shooting, <laughs> almost does you more of a disservice than you simply mm-hmm. not being there would have done. Yeah. Um. But I did love the cast that we had. I again, I'm a big Simon Pegg fan. I said that last time. I think he's brilliant. Um, he got a much bigger role this time around and he's funny in it. Like he really is like his persistence to like, uh, you know, 
like, do I get to wear a mask? I want to wear a mask. <laughs> like, you know, just like it was fun that he mm. he had this kind of role that he had. Um, we have Jane played by Paula Patton. I think she's a lot of fun in this. Yeah. Um, her sort of sort of the mission of vengeance that she's on and how it may interfere with with her mission type of thing was mm. was something that was always fun and and yeah. we were trying to keep that balance in check. Yeah. Um Jeremy Renner, man. I mean <laughs> Jeremy Renner is fantastic. I had no idea he was in this until he showed up on screen. I was like, "Oh shit. Here we go." I um, I I knew he was in it because I remember Zach Dykstra uh who joined us for episode 1. I forget if he said it on the show or if he's just told me this in person. To some degree, whether it was this film or going forward, like there was some kind of vis- like noticeable tension between the two because it almost felt like they brought on Jeremy Renner to kind of take over the series and Tom Cruise being Tom Cruise was like, nope. And like, <laughs> kept like I'm coming back for more. Kind of thing. So <laughs> I did know he was in the series, but for that reason. Um, so yeah, he, uh, he's fantastic in this. Um mm. And his story, like, he's got acting chops in it. Like, he's not just yeah. a supporting character. Like, hearing him um, recount the story of what happened and why he doesn't do field work. And, like, that was, it was so touching. And mm-hmm. and I really enjoyed it. Um, and then, how can you not, like, ultimately, how can you not be a Jeremy Renner fan right now? Like, yes, you know. Yeah. After everything, so I I would also recommend this. It's on Disney Plus right now, but they just released like his forty five minute interview following, and it's got like pictures and and footage from inside the <sighs> hospital, and and Jeez. like they really break down what all happened and how it happened, and and mm. it's incredible. Like it honestly, so it happened New Year's Day. Mm. He's yeah. up and walking with a cane, but he's up and walking and. And throwing his arms around people to hug them and dancing in his home with music playing and stuff like that. But it was like, it was like 35 broken bones, a a punctured lung, one of his ribs pierced his liver. Oh, his geez. eye had bulged out from his head because of just the pressure that was on his skull. Like it was, he was dying. And the fact that he didn't die, and then because they were in like the, it was during a snowstorm, and it's in the northern um, uh, Nevada mountains. It's it was forty five minutes on the phone with nine one one, waiting for the Jeez. paramedic to arrive, while yeah. he's laying there like hemorrhaging from his head. Ugh. Like it was just, it's man, it is a miracle, yeah, that he's alive and yep. that he's recovered the way that he has like it's insane um he's in a lot of pain but it's it's insane <laughs> so anyone who's a jeremy renner fan it's i mean it's on disney plus and it's like it's p it's it's pg it's pg 13 oh, yeah. at most like it yeah. it's it's a difficult watch only because it's such a tough story to hear um right. but it's not like it's it wasn't it's not a graphic special documentary thing so no no, no. yeah i would i highly recommend it Jeez. But anyways, That's... I gave I gave supporting characters an eight out of ten. Hmm. So yeah, um I gave it a seven. 
not too far behind. I I love Luther. If if you say you love Luther, I love him even more. So I was so 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 disappointed how underused he was. Simon Pegg, I actually didn't like him in MI3, but he really, really worked for me in this episode. I think it just because he's still green, but he's a bit more on the field, so he's just a little bit more part of the team. So I appreciated his humor far more in this one than the previous one. I also liked Paula Patton. I thought she was a strong female lead. I really enjoyed her presence. I talked about this. Josh Halloway, I was disappointed. I really would have loved if he had played a more pivotal role. And I did like the Bond girl alert with, oh, I'm so bad with it. Is it Leah Sidhu? Uh, I would, Sidhu, either Sidhu or Sido. Like, it's, Sido. it's a French name, right? It's yeah. got the O-U-X, yeah. so. Yeah. But yeah, it was fun seeing a familiar face from our James Bond series in, in this one. So that was fun. Yeah. Yeah. So seven. Seven out of ten. Seven out of ten. So our final category. Mm-hmm. Intro sequence. Yes. I did not change this one after setting it, and it is a two out of ten. Good lord. <laughs> I mean the prison the prison thing's kind like the coolest thing about this sequence is that he's found a way to make a little ball for himself out of a piece of rock that he took from the wall. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that he's clean and tidy and puts it away when he's done playing with it. Like mm-hmm. It just, it wasn't, there wasn't anything wrong with the opening scene per se, Mm -hmm. but it was just kind of like, meh. (laughs) Right. Like, it was just like, you didn't know what was going on, really. You're kind Mm -hmm. of a little, not that you need to like fully get what's happening, but I was a little more in the dark than I felt like I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. And... You know, I him looking up at the cameras and, and communicating the way he did was kind of cool. Like, the persistence of, like, I'm not going to escape until you let me through <laughs> this door. Like, mm. that was kind of cool, but it was just kind of, like, m- middle of the road. Like, I kind of would have just given it a five. And then, the theme song plays. <laughs> if you can even call it that. Mm-hmm. Not only did they change it again, like first time, first movie, it's spot on, it's perfect. Second both, movie, both, both, and I'll, I will just say it's perfect at the beginning and perfect at the end. Yes, yeah. but the, but the song specifically, first movie, the song is perfect. Yes, yeah. Second movie, it's it's not. It, they've changed it. They've like added an electric guitar in and they're trying to kind of make it a little like alternative Rocky and, and it was just, it kind of didn't work for us. Mm-hmm. Third movie. It was m- very close to what it was supposed to be. They just did something a little weird at the beginning, but then it was, mm. then it was okay. I don't know what the hell this was. <laughs> it was, they changed it. Like, it's still the same song. It's all the same notes and melody and, you know, whatever else. But yeah. it was, like, for some reason, and I watched it, I watched it, and then I went and watched it on YouTube to make sure there wasn't something wrong with my Blu-ray, because I have the first four on Blu-ray. Right. It, they were. It was, like, a value village. Thing. It was, like, the first four Ooh. for, like, five bucks. So I was, like, oh, yeah, sure, <laughs> okay, whatever. Sign me up. Yeah. Um. 
And so I watched it on the Blu-ray, and then I watched it on YouTube, and I watched it with headphones, without headphones, just because I was like, is something wrong wrong with the audio that I'm getting? It felt gutless. <laughs> and it felt like it felt like someone like I don't know if you know anything about like like sound editing so well, yeah, you do, like Adobe Audition or like anything that you would build a musical track in. <laughs> right. And it felt like, and when you do that, you've got all these different tracks within, like layers within your software that you can mute and and adjust the audio of individually and and stuff like that, right? It add different effects to just the vocals, add effects to just the guitar, and it's all done by right. layering them in these different tracks. Yeah. Well, it felt like they had put this song together. And before clicking export, and this isn't even just me like being facetious and like dramatic. This is genuinely, I'm like, this is very much what it sounds like to me. It sounds like they built the song and then just before exporting the song to an MP3 or a WAV file or whatever, Mm. accidentally deleted like (laughs) half the tracks or... Or, like, it kind of felt like, again, if you're thinking about, like, frequencies or, like, EQing the stereo in your car, it felt sure, like all yes. of the low end was there. <laughs> and the treble, the high end, was all there. Oh, man. But the, those middle frequencies, the, the mm. stuff that gives the song body and makes it feel full... Right. W- ...was, was nowhere to be seen. Was just gone, and it wasn't like it bizarre. Like it sounded like an error mm. to me. It didn't just sound like, "Oh, this is a poor choice." It sounded like <laughs> something was wrong. And but because honestly, and that's why I listened to it from multiple sources with and without headphones. Because I thought genuinely, <laughs> I was like, "Something's wrong with the audio," because <laughs> there's funny. no way that's what the song sounds like. <laughs> but it does, and it's oh, a two man. out of ten. It is yeah. garbage. I was <laughs> I, furious. I maybe was too generous. I gave it a three. You know, <laughs> I I felt like the intro sequence was fun. It's intense, the jail scene. I watched a YouTube video, like, it doesn't quite line up. Like, the song itself lasts less long than the action sequence. So, like, from a continuity perspective, it doesn't really align. And the whole point of, like, he didn't need to be at the hole right at the second the song ended. So it was just kind of a weird thing, but I get it. It was a fun sequence, I guess, but musically it just ruins it for me. I completely, completely, completely agree. The, the opening scene, like you just get teased with it at the beginning going, Hey, I think here we go. And then they just alter just like a decimal of a, or a, like a, a tone of just part of the theme. And it just ruins it for me. Number one hit it. And we haven't, we haven't hit hit it since. And um, I also felt the opening credit scene was just too long. Like I, I did kind of metaphorically look at my watch going, is this going to end at some point? And what really, really frosted my tips was the ending scene that really bothered me. So in number one, where we have Ethan on the plane and the stewardess handing him a tape and, you know, he kind of winks at it or raises his eyebrow at it and you get the do and it just like end credits roll and it's like great 
I'm feeling pumped. I had a fun time with that iconic theme. In this one, I thought that's what we were going to do. Like, they lined up the shot. It was going to be a three-pointer. It was going to be the game winner. And we have that ending moment that was just so perfectly cued, where Ethan disappears into the, the, the smoke machine mist. The flute starts to waver. And I was like, they're going to do it. They are going to do it, and this I will add like whatever score I give this film, I will give it an additional one out of ten just for doing this. And then instead, the credits roll, and it's like instead of the MI theme, it's just some random pop rock song into the credits. And I thought, what are you doing? Like, right. what is happening? Yeah. Like, it was like not even like a poor choice. It was like they teased me. They mm-hmm. they made me think it was going to happen, and that made it worse. Yeah, Ugh. it's it's the one thing, like there are things in these movies that I haven't enjoyed. Sure. But it's the one thing that I just, I just don't understand. Like it's, it's not- the one thing from, I think, that's keeping it from being the next level for me. Because as awful as some of the James Bond movies were, it was- there was a continuity just with some of the narratives and themes and the kind of motive or like um, tropes. And I think like if it was just this, each director's different, each story's different in this, but if it had that same music for mm-hmm. me, that would just be like, I'm all aboard. Like I'm scrolling. I just typed Mission Impossible theme song into YouTube and you yeah. start scrolling down and the options there are like, wow, which you know, there's, there's, which one do you want? Do you want the Mission Impossible Fallout theme? Do you want the Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol theme? And it's like, and then there's one here that's 20 minutes long and it's like tribute, all Mission Impossible themes, one, two, three, four, five, six plus TV series. And I'm like, why is that not, why, why could Mm. you not have a YouTube video that says all Mission Impossible themes and the song's two and a half minutes long because it's the same damn song. I think what we're wanting is just something timeless. And that's why it works for us in the first one. And just continue with it. It's timeless. It's not dated. We don't need it in a modern day lens with, you know, Metallica giving their rendition or Creed or, you Mm -hmm. know, Usher in the late 2000s. Like, just timeless. Keep it simple. This isn't quite to the same degree. Like, Mission Impossible is not quite to the same degree of the example Mm. I'm about to give. But... It feels basically like if you went to the theater, sat down, and that was the moment that you realized that in 2024, 2025, they decided that they were going to put a little bit more of a modern twist on the Star Wars song. Right. You would be like, I would be, I wouldn't, because I'd be very curious to see what was going to happen next. But yeah. there would be an urge inside of me to walk out. <laughs> right. To be I'm like, if you- this is the decision that you've made at the start of the film, I'm not going to like a lot of what follows. And listen, I, I like if when we see this new one, I say collectively when we see this in July. Name July. Something, yeah, something, July. Something like that. Yeah. If. And it's not going to happen. I'm not getting my hopes up. But if for some reason that one, they start doing just the timeless original intro, outro, I like tears will stream down my face. I kid you not. I'll stand up and clap. <laughs> yes. If I'm with Carl Eastman, I will grab his leg. Yeah. 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 Unbelievable. Okay. So if I take all eight of those scores and I total them up, Mission Impossible 1 got a 7.25. Oh, wow. 
Well, that's impressive. Mission Impossible 2 got a 5. Mm. Mission Impossible 3 got an 8.5. I really mm. liked it. Yeah, you did. And Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol got a 6.5. So okay. it's the third best, second worst, depending mm. on how you want to look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, which is... I couldn't. I wouldn't have guessed that that's how it was going to play out, but it it does make sense to me because I don't think it's better than the first one. It's definitely better than the second one, and the third one I liked better than the first one. So if it's not better than the first one, then it's not better than the third. So I guess that makes sense. That's where it should fall. Hmm. Um, just giving more credence to to our ranking system, I guess. <laughs> But yeah, so 6.5 out of 10 or 65%, depending on how you want to look at it. Right. Um, but that's, that is the score that I get. This film is third place out of the four. So I've got MI2 is at the top, Mission Impossible is second, Ghost Protocol is three, and then MI3 is last place. I gave Ghost Protocol a six out of 10 when you average it all up. Very close. Very close. Yeah. All right. Well, so, there you go. What'd yeah. you watch this week, sir? I have so many things. I'm glad you asked. So this first thing is a 2006 film called The Departed. Have you heard of it? Um, I have definitely. I definitely know that it's a film that exists. Mm-hmm. That's about the extent of what I know. Okay, I want to take you down a bunny hole here. That I I've seen it several times. Oh God, Leo. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I want to take you down a bunny hole with this because I've seen it and I've got, I don't, I've got some things to say, but I've got some curiosities. Like, I don't think it's a cast. Yes. So it's got, you've got Vera Farmiga, Jack Nicholson, Leonardo DiCaprio, Matt Damon, Mark Wahlberg, Martin Sheen. Uh, Those would be the main ones, but like that's, there's a couple other familiar faces. Alec Baldwin. Yes. Um, so, okay, let me, I don't, there's a lot of ways I could go with this, and believe it or not, it's not just the Leo fanboy thing here. I choose this, not. This, this film is, I think in a nutshell, I would say it's not the greatest, even though it won an Oscar for uh, Martin Scorsese, a directing Oscar. I would say after seeing The Irishman, I feel like if you're going to watch a crime film that's really long, the Irishman has a bit more emotional payoff and has a bit more emotional and, and like maybe a bit more artistic merit. When I watch The Departed, some of the cut scenes or some of the things that they've decided to do artistically, I'm like, okay, this seems very 2006-ish, hasn't aged well in some ways. I'm sorry, are but, you considering The Departed to be really long? It's two and a half hours. It's, I, sorry, I guess I shouldn't say that. The Irishman is The long. Irishman is three and a half. It's the an Irishman. hour longer. Yeah. Sorry, okay. yeah. The Departed, I probably would not consider long. It's on the longer side of normal, I would say. Yeah, but yeah. Not, not Lord of the Rings long, for no. sure. Okay, what really blew my mind, I found this out pretty recently. The Departed was a remake of a foreign film, I believe. I forget if it was... I think it was in Asia somewhere, but it was the, the Departed was a remake of this film that was a hit over there. This foreign film was actually inspired by 1997's Face Off. 
So okay. if you follow this chain, this Oscar for Martin Scorsese could like very loosely be tied to face off. And I just got an absolute kick out of that. And I feel like it's important for me to ask, is the mm-hmm. departed anything like face off? So the the what how it inspired the foreign film is just you have face off where you have characters looking differently and doing like pretending to be things they're not. So you have like Nick Cage who's really a bad guy but he's a good guy pretending to be a bad guy. So you've got people like masquerading who who aren't who who being people that they're not really. So that's where the foreign film really like that's what they were kind of imitating. It wasn't that they were lasering people's faces off. It's called I think it's called it's not internal affairs. It's called like infernal affairs or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I just but it's infernal affairs. Yeah. Infernal affairs. So it, it it's it's based off of it of just people pretending to be things that they're not which went on to have two sequels by the way which a pre yeah one's a prequel and one's a sequel it really hit so i found that interesting just the connection to face off i i laughed out loud i'm sorry hang on a second yeah a director named adam ringard wingard (laughs) was announced in february of 2021 Mm mm-hmm to be the director of the upcoming Face-Off sequel. <laughs> Holy Please. shit. Please, no. Oh, That's, man. I wish I was trolling you. That is serious. <laughs> um, another thing to The Departed that I never made this connection before, so you just alluded to the star-studded cast. This cast was like, Kind of in their swan song of like night, they all had 1997 being a big ass here. So you've got Mark Wahlberg with Boogie Nights, you've got Matt Damon with Goodwill Hunting, you've got Leo with Titanic, and you had Jack Nicholson with his Oscar performance of As Good as It Gets. So it's, I just thought it was again. When you're when you you find what you want to see and you can make things appear where you want, I just think it's coincidental and crazy how they all had this like crazy good 1997 and they have that commonality. I thought that was that was fun. Um, but yeah, I watched The Departed. I still don't know if it's good. Like I think it's okay, and it has some really good acting in it. It has some really awful fake Boston accents in it that hasn't improved so i'm somewhere in the range of six or seven i'm really trying to just analyze if i think this is just scorsese's you know warm up to the irishman and then the irishman's right where he really perfected a good you know um at least for me a a more appreciated gangster flick um but i do like leo and he leo does give give a pretty good performance because he was younger in his career he had titanic under his belt he had catch me if you can but he really, you know, I think this is where he really tried to throw out some of more of his acting chops and try and do a bit of a more of a grittier role. role. So, um, yeah, not a film for everyone. A lot of violence, a lot of F-bombs, almost 300 in them. But I've seen it a lot of times and being kind of like nostalgic for Leo and and um, uh, Alec Baldwin as a lieutenant. Oh, some, some iconic scenes, I guess I would say. But uh, I watched The Departed. And in a way, I watched Face Off. Um, <laughs> I watched. Okay, this is this is another film that I actually. This is a gem that I, I will come out and say is good. I watched okay. a 1997 film called Jackie Brown. Oh yeah, 
it's it's a Tarantino movie I'd never seen before, mm-hmm. and a lot of people said, Pete, you should check it out. And a lot of people dislike it. They think it's kind of slow. They think it's kind of boring. I actually really liked it. I really okay. liked it. I liked the female lead in it. I I liked Sam Jackson. I liked Robert Forrester. Um, I really, really liked Michael Keaton in this. And him I- as a police detective was fantastic i mean if slow and boring is the criteria you also like lost in translation so (laughs) i think they have a commonality because the reason jackie brown is slow and boring is like the first half of the film is just like literally just learning about the characters not a lot happens and that that's what i loved about it and again every scene with michael keaton as a cop not only did i buy it but i loved it like i loved his role specifically in this film Made me a bit excited to see him again in The Flash and see him in something new. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I really like Jackie Brown. I gave it a 7 out of 10. I think it's good. And it's not my favorite Tarantino, but although it has some gangster violence and like some murder and some things like that, comparative to, like say, Pulp Fiction or even like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood or especially Kill Bill or Django, where there's those scenes that are just, there's one scene in every of them that, makes you uncomfortable maybe queasy maybe uncomfortable jackie brown didn't push the envelope that way so i think that's one reason why i also liked it too where it just had a good tempo it it inter- entertained me but it didn't offend me or, or make me uncomfortable so that's i i would recommend it i enjoyed jackie brown i think it has the 90s nostalgia for me but it has a lot of artistic merit so i gave it a seven out of ten okay Two things. These are more rapid fire. They're not as significant as The Departed or Jackie Brown. I watched mm-hmm. a 2013 film with uh, Paul Rudd and Tina Fey called Admission. It's kind of like your typical. It's not. It's kind of. It, it's not a rom com. I guess it's like a romantic drama that has funny moments. It was a five out of ten. It was fine. It wasn't anything spectacular. Um, if you read it and you like Paul Rudd then you read the synopsis, you can check it out, but don't have high expectations. It's just adequate. The last thing I watched was a documentary from 2017 called Titanic 20 Years Later with James Cameron. And I gave it a 5 out of 10. I like me some Titanic stuff. I like me some James Cameron digging into the weeds, documentary type stuff. Just specifically with this one, I it was just a bit slow for me. And I watched it with my wife. And uh, this specific documentary, the other ones are, I think I found more impactful. This one, like he was just getting into like such nitty gritty stuff. Like, oh, in this scene, I had a a clock and it turns out I was wrong. And like really, really just digging into the weeds of like really what I would even call classify kind of boring stuff. And my wife looked at me like just the detail that James Cameron was going into. And my wife looked at me and she's like, does James Cameron like have a wife or a family? And I was like, he does. He does. <laughs> He's really rich, but he does. But he does. Yeah. So uh you listen, I like these documentaries normally. This one specifically from 2017, I just found a bit slow for my taste. So I gave it a five out of ten. That is what I watched this week. Who would have thought we would have been talking about Sam Jackson and Face Off and Jack Nicholson? Right. Wow. wow. And it wasn't till that long ago that I realized that Martin Sheen was related to uh, Charlie Sheen. You told me, like, you you uh, informed me on this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What did you watch this week? 
Um, well, it was a lot of the same. Not as you, but as... <laughs> what? I was going to uh, say. But as before. So we're still working through the MCU in chronological order. Ah, uh, yes, yes. So I can't remember. I think last week I told you we got up to Avengers. Mm-hmm. We watched Avengers? Yes, yeah. 2012 Avengers. Uh, so Thor the Dark World. <laughs> oh, did you survive? Obviously, I made yes. it through. I think this is the first time I've watched it and didn't fall asleep. Good for you. And that's not like I'm not trying to be a dick. Like I no, literally, no, no. it is, it is part, has been part of my existence <laughs> that that's an MCU film that I could it's not make so it. I've bad. tried. Yeah. And you know what? It's not good, but it's also not like. <laughs> I think I fell into the Avatar category with this, where I was uh, like, yeah. "It's yeah. is it just cool to hate on Thor: The Dark World?" I think it might be. Yeah, it's not garbage. Sure, but it's not good. Like a lot of good, a lot of great sequences happen. There's a lot of fun in it. Mm. Um, but it's not amazing, right? By any means. Um, then we watched Iron Man three. Which a lot of people dislike. A lot of people really hate on Iron Man 3. I think it's my favorite Iron Man. So oh, wow. that might, I, you know, whatever, whatever group that puts me into, I don't, <laughs> I don't really care. Yeah. Um, then Captain America the Winter Soldier, which is widely mm. regarded as one of the best MCU films. Mm. Um, it's kind of like a... It's an MCU film, but it's all it, like it feels very much like a '70s political thriller. Like it's hmm. it's yeah, it's good. It's so good. Um, so we watched that, and then Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one. Oh, nice. Yeah, and then the next up, sort of on the list, is um, the we're working through the I Am Groot series on Netflix, which is oh, like a cool. collection of like little five minute shorts. Interesting. But but Disney does consider it like Canon um, or Yeah, like if you're watching through, they've got a section on Disney Plus that is the MCU in timeline order. Um, oh cool. And so and those are in there. So so we're watching those as well. We're like, okay, yeah, sure, we'll tack those in. <laughs> well, I guess. I yeah, sure. Um so yeah, that's that's kind of it. And then I watched the that Jeremy Renner thing, that um mm. forty five minute jeremy renner documentary so yeah. good like it re- it's it's very it's very fascinating it's tragic mm-hmm. um but it ultimately like the spin that they put on it and and you can see how and why is a story of strength and is a story yeah. of perseverance and a story of you know and they did say much to the mcu's credit much to the the credit of the surge of comic book films in our current day and age um, that the fact that he was in such good physical condition, mm. having you know worked out to do these superhero things, yeah. um, went a long way, and potentially saved his life. Right, right. That he was he's in very good health, mm. and so that was a you know, it's a sort of a big thing. I think yeah. that's it. I. I am excited. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to the theater to watch tomorrow night. Okay. Even though we won't actually cover it until next week, but next week I'll be able to tell you how it was, right? Sure. 
So I haven't gone to the theater in a long time with my mom. Oh, nice. In fact, the last time you were there too, strangely enough, it was oh, you, me, and my, you, me and my mom went to go see The Lion King. Yeah. And she's going to be very happy with you and she's very upset with me because I, up until last weekend when she told me, had no memory of her being there that night. <laughs> so, and she has not let me live it down. That's um, And then the last time before that was like 2011 or something. It was just like a long oh, time. She just doesn't go to the theater. That's not, you know. Yeah. Part of. yeah. But one of her favorite actors of all time, maybe her favorite actor, is Russell Crowe. Mm. Oh. And she's not a stranger to scary movies like a couple months ago she said she like just got on a binge and she watched all 17 halloween films or however many there is right and so anyways a couple months back she sent me the trailer for the pope's exorcist oh my gosh and said i have to see this Oh, man. So anyways, yesterday was my sister's birthday. So we're going to oh. tomorrow night. We're going to go drive to the city that my sister lives in and um, and go out for dinner and then go see the Pope's Exorcist. And it's oh, funny because I'm like, you know, I find the supernatural possession <laughs> exorcism horror films to be the most upsetting just with like religious sure. background and and stuff like yeah. that right yeah and um and my sister who we're going with it, it, i was talking to her the other day and i said yeah i'm excited to see you on tuesday and she was like yeah but i'm not looking forward to this <laughs> and i said yeah i'm not super stoked to sit in the theater and watch this movie either <laughs> And my youngest sister, who we invited I mm. back at Easter weekend when we were coming up with these plans, I was like, hey, do you want to you want to come with us to go see this movie? Which mm. seemed appropriate. It was Easter weekend, and we were talking about going to watch a film about exorcism um, and the <laughs> devil. And I said, uh, do you want to watch this? And she hadn't, she hadn't heard of it. And so I put the trailer on, and um, about... 15 seconds into the trailer, <laughs> I'm pretty sure she turned, looked at me, and told me to go to hell. And so she's not coming. <laughs> I and, cannot uh, yeah. even, like, no. It's the type of movie that I would find upsetting to sit on the couch at home and watch. And so <sighs> yeah. in a theater with the loud sound system in the sure. dark on the massive screen, it's, it's going to be an experience. Yeah, it- that's so I'm looking forward to talking about it with you next week because um, it, it, yeah, yeah, it will be interesting. Anyway, sir, wrap okay. this up for us. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Please rate review positively wherever you can. I'm sorry. Say our- that again. <laughs> I really slurred some Excuse words. Excuse me. Please, please, please rate please and review. Re- please rate and review positively wherever you can. <laughs> Check out our Patreon page, our merchandise page. It's uh, links below you can follow to help support the show and get some perks back towards you. And uh, check out our socials. Stay tuned. We have upcoming votes in the upcoming weeks. And uh, stay tuned for upcoming Mission Impossible episodes as well, for movie news episodes with Carl and Brady. And uh, just stay tuned. Just subscribe and Hit the refresh button. Be on the lookout. Be ready. Be, be, don't ghost. Don't ghost protocol us, but just be ready. 
Yeah. And um, until next time, when... Uh, what are we reviewing? A Secret Garden. The Secret Garden. A monumental... Well, it's not a secret one, anymore. Uh, that one of the them. many Secret Garden. I'm actually on well, a kick now. I'm thinking about getting my hands on as many adaptations as I can. <laughs> There's a and, few. Um, I looked in- it up. I was like, yeah, dang. Including one that just came out not long ago Jeez. that I didn't know about that is like... It, the it's like it's clearly an indie shitty nobody gives a shit kind of but <laughs> you it's, don't know it's, that. It it's, be good. it's the secret garden like the tagline for it is the secret garden with a steampunk twist huh <laughs> okay okay like what okay <laughs> i don't know, know. to me that's like to me that's like the story of the crucifixion of our lord but set in the year 2537 with space punks and i'm like what timeless meets punk exactly i yeah it is what it is sir (laughs) anyways i'm gonna go not watch lost in translation now ah